This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, I do want to get into uh, the Giants and Daniel Jones, but David is at the Jersey Shore, and he wants to pay me a compliment, and I don't get too many of those, so let's go to David. Hey, uh, an honor and a privilege to be on the phone with you. We miss you in the mornings. I'm not a fan of not having you on the mornings. I wake up early to work in Brooklyn, and having you every morning when I wake up to you was something special. So hopefully, you know, if you're interested in redoing that, I'd love you too. Um, I talked to a lot of Knicks fans. But you realize I do not make the schedule, right? Like I, they, t- they tell <laughs> me right. to work. I don't, I don't volunteer or draw a number or something like that. You're easily one of the best on the station, hands I down. I, I mean, you. you know all of the stuff about every sport. So let's talk about the Knicks. I get into arguments all the time with one of my coworkers. I'm a school teacher. He thinks that uh, Thibodeau is not a good coach because he doesn't play Obi Toppin a lot. So I want to know what your opinion is I mean, because look, I say if Toppin was so good – you know, if they tried to trade Toppin, what would they have gotten for him? If he's so good, how come he's always lost on the defense? I'm going to let you talk. And, again, it's an honor. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Well, look, here's the thing. I like Obi Toppin, um, but I think it's clear at this point that was a mistake of a draft pick. And it's not really necessarily uh, on Obi, but it just doesn't, he doesn't fit. And what's the, the coach's job? What is the coach's job? The coach's job is to win games. If you hire Tom Thibodeau, Yes, it's about developing uh, uh, the, the organization as a whole and developing talent and bringing young players along. But at the end of the day, if you hire Tom Thibodeau, you know that he is going to he's about win now. It's not about win three years from now. So I do think that that was a mistake of a pick. I thought that at the time, but and it certainly turned out that way. And I like Obi as a player. He's an exciting player, but. At the end of the day, it's kind of hard to argue with the results of Tom Thibodeau if the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs for a second time in three years with him as the head coach. And, and again, I wasn't even that big of a, of a Tom Thibodeau fan when they hired him. I, I would have liked to have done the, the more of uh, Kenny Atkinson, let's build this up slowly. I think clearly that's wrong. <laughs> I think that clearly the way it's worked out has been pretty good considering the team is, is, is going to make the playoffs here for the second time in three years. And I don't know how many times they made it over the previous 20 years, but it wasn't a lot. And I would think that they have just as good a shot to go as deep into the playoffs as they have had in in 20 years in that span. All right, let's get enough of the compliments. There's not anybody else willing to make any compliments, but no, that's enough of the compliments. Let's get to the Daniel Jones stuff. Let's get to the Giants because this has been – uh, really, one of the biggest stories uh, of the offseason with the Giants, we knew that uh, when the season ended the way it did. You know, you got to bring back Daniel Jones. Giants have made it clear that they're going to bring it back. And, and think about all the time that we have spent. And think about how things have changed from the beginning of the season, from when they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. We knew coming into the year, new regime, new coach, the chances that, that Daniel Jones is going to be back uh, didn't seem all that great at the time. But they have changed over the course of the season with the way the season played out. And I I would think that before the season, uh, it was less than 50-50. And then as the season went along, it was clear, yeah, he's going to be the guy. And then you got into the offseason and the numbers try to get an idea of what a contract would look like. Are they going to pay him $30 million? Is he going to make $35 million? And then you got the tweet from, from, I mean, there were some reports before that, about he is looking for $45 million. But then you got the story of the tweet yesterday from uh, Jordan Renan, who we'll talk to uh, in the 6 o'clock hour, 
about uh, that whenever the contract, if, if the contract is able to be done and they don't need to use the franchise tag, that it's likely that the, the starting number will be a four, meaning it's going to be $40 million, if, if not more, a season. And, and it seems like people have lost their ever-loving minds when it comes to the numbers that have been thrown out. For $45 million for Dave. How dare Daniel Jones ask for $45 million? What is he thinking? How can he possibly ask for? That's how much Patrick Mahomes gets. Have people forgotten how negotiating works? Yes. He's asking for, he can ask for anything. When you're negotiating, you can ask for anything. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. It's pretty clear he's not going to get $45 million, but that's how negotiating works. One side comes up with a really high number. The other side comes with a really low number. And then they work, hopefully are able to work their way to middle ground and, and, and come up with a deal. That's how negotiating works. And I, it's almost like people have, I don't know, they've, they've lost their minds in some way to have forgotten that and also have forgotten that how NFL contracts work. It's not about what his annual salary is a year. It's about what the get. NFL contracts are not worth the, pr- the paper they're printed on. It doesn't matter what the overall. They could sign him to a contract for a billion dollars. If it's not guaranteed, what does it matter? It's not what the average sal- salary is. It's what the guaranteed money is and how it's laid out. And, and again, you know, 45 is, is, is high. It doesn't feel... Wow, that's how much that costs. Now, woo, the money doesn't go as far as it used to. But if he gets 40, that's right kind of in range in what like do, do, has nobody looked at what quarterbacks get? And I get it. There are quarterbacks who are better than him that are around that range. But when you consider Lamar Jackson's going to get a oh God, Lamar Jackson, he must be loving this. He must be reading this every single day. Read it to me again. Read it to me again. How much is he at? 45? Fantastic. It would be one thing if Daniel Jones was asking for a fully guaranteed contract. That would be worth losing your mind about. And he was asking for $45 million a year. That's not the case. But when you realize Lamar Jackson's going to get paid, before too long, Burrow's going to get paid. Herbert's going to get paid. Um, Hertz is going to get paid. Uh, you know, all these guys are going to get paid. If Daniel Jones is making $40 million and all those guys get what they're supposed to get, he would be like the 11th quarterback. He would be the 11th highest paid quarterback. And if you are able to kind of do some new math because it's a long-term contract and and you can kind of finagle the numbers in some way. If his annual average salary was to be $39 million, he would be the 13th highest quarterback. So now you might not think he's the 13th best quarterback, but if you don't think that he's somewhere in the range of 12 to 15, well, then why are you signing to him to anything at all? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me why people are losing their mind. Because again, it's not like the Giants are offering him 25 and he came in at 45. The reports I've seen, they're kind of like 37, 38. I mean, it's in the ballpark, and it's a negotiation. So if they end somewhere around $40 million, that's about the ballpark that you're going to get for a starting quarterback who's still young, who's been part of your organization, who's shown growth, who has, it seems like, fixed a lot of the problems that he had previously, and a guy that you already know, rather than the alternative of dipping back into the draft or 
trying to find somebody else through free agency, which doesn't work. You don't want you don't want to go down that road. Now, I would say I was listening to the K show on Friday and I heard Don saying about, you know, I'd, I'd offer him a contract of two hundred million dollars for five years. If he doesn't want it. OK, fine. You, you slap him with the franchise. Tag. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I, I would get that. Because I don't think if he if he decided to turn down a ballpark of 200 for five years, uh, then that would be the worst judgment of all the questionable judgment he sometimes has displayed in the pocket. That would be the most questionable, especially with his injury history. I don't think that there's any way that he would turn that down. And it does kind of feel like and, and maybe this is just the reporting of it all uh, and maybe it's not true. But it does feel like he is almost increasing his number as we go. Like every time you think, okay, it's going to settle at 35. No, he wants 40. Oh, he wants 45. It does feel like the numbers are going up or going in the wrong way. Uh, Maybe it's because he changed agents. I'm not sure. But if he were to turn down 200 for five, uh, that would be uh, pretty shocking to me. I'd be pretty surprised if a guy with his injury history, with one really good season, with a new regime and, and wanting to be here, uh, I don't think that that would be the worst thing in the world. And if he did turn that down, and if you were forced to slap the franchise tag on him, I don't even think that that would be the worst thing for the Giants. Now, I get it would make it harder to to uh, to fill holes this offseason, but I'm kind of the belief that there is no such thing as like a bad one-year contract. And if you are of the belief that, yeah, I, I believe in Daniel Jones, and it's clear the Giants do believe in Daniel Jones, but if you want a little bit more proof, I don't know, having him sl- slapping him with the franchise tag for 32 and a half, whatever it is, for one more year, force him to go out there and prove it again, that doesn't seem like it's the worst thing in the world. Doesn't seem like it's the worst alternative if, if you are worried that everything just kind of broke right this one year and you don't want to go out and break the bank. Because I'll be honest with you, as much as... There's been mistakes by previous regimes of the Giants. You lock in a guy who is not worth that much money, and, and now you're locked into him for five years, and there's no real parachute out until year three, that will really set your franchise back. Then you're locked in with him, and, and there's no way around that if you get that decision wrong. So to me, getting him to – if he doesn't want the long-term money or you can't work out whatever the, the negotiations are – that where his number is to where your number is and you, and you you have him back for one more year. I don't know. To me, that's not the worst thing in the world because it's not like you've had a huge body of evidence to say for sure, this is the guy, no questions asked. And if it does mean that you have to lose some pieces along the way, well, I don't know that necessarily that's the worst thing either because it seems like being able to slap the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley would be ideal. But if you're using the tag on Jones and then either you have to sign Barkley to a long-term contract, I mean, just look around the NFL. That is not the way teams are building, sinking a lot of money into the running back position. And he's a valuable player. I get it. He's one of the leaders of the franchise. But I would certainly like him more at that one-year level, much like I think some ways I'd like Jones at one year more than uh, using that uh, on, on a long-term contract for a guy much like Jones who's been hurt constantly and was hurt this year. So I don't think that that makes – if I had to look at the ways to – things to avoid for the Giants this year, 
Signing Saquon Barkley to a three-year deal at $12, $13 million a year, that's one that I would absolutely try to avoid. Even as great as he was this year and as much as of a, 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 how much importance he had in getting the team's offense rolling and he was one of the playmakers, uh, to me, that one does not make a whole lot of sense. And the evidence you have of that is no, really no other teams do that around the NFL, signing running backs to these monster deals. And when they do there's generally almost always regret, sometimes almost immediate. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. And I got to be honest, it does feel like things have been, uh, I thought it would be smoother sailing, right? Like when you got through the season the way it did and the offseason, everybody was so definitive, you thought, ah, this is, this is going to be a piece of cake. And it has not been a piece of cake, at least not yet. But there's two things that, uh, before we go back to the phones, that I did want to hit on. Uh, one, when you're talking about contracts, it's like the judge thing. You're not paying him for what he did. You're paying him for what you expect he will do. So for those people who are saying, wait, you're paying $40 million for a guy who threw 15 touchdowns? Well, yeah, because you're expecting that he will get better as you surround him with better talent. Now, you are projecting, and that's always a little bit dangerous, but you're relying on the coach who has come in here and, and everything that he's touched has kind of worked out pretty well. Like if, if, if Brian Dable was not on board with Daniel Jones being back, I would think Daniel Jones wouldn't be back. So you're hoping with better talent around him, and there is a point to be made that by spending as much money as you will be on the quarterback, it's going to be dip more difficult to surround him with talent. You're not going to have as much money to spend in other areas. But to me um, – it's almost like you're, you're kind of you're, your hand has been forced, right? Like, do you want to go back into the draft? Is that the road you're going to go down? There's nobody in free agency that you're going to go and say, even the guys that are in free, even the teams that are looking for quarterbacks in free agency don't seem to be all that overwhelmed with what's available in free agency. The other one is that Daniel Jones, because of the contract uh, demands, I guess, uh, has the potential to turn off fans. He's the quarterback of an NFL team that went to the playoffs. If he reverts back to what he was the first three years or the first four years, or if the team reverts back to anything close to what they were, or if he gets hurt again and is missing significant time, yeah, people are going to be ticked off. If you're even thinking about his contract when next season is playing out, well, then that's a, there's a very good chance that he's not progressed as a player. But it won't be because he's making $40 million. You won't be turned off because he's making $40 million. You'll be ticked off because he's not, he's not playing well. And the team is not winning games. It doesn't matter what he's making. He could be making $20 million. But if he, if he goes back to the way he was playing before, you won't be thinking, to yourself, well, at least he's only making $20 million. No, you'll be ticked off that the team's not very good and he's not very good. And you've wasted a season now, another season, on a guy who maybe fooled you with one good season that you all of a sudden decided to, um, to he, he cashed in on. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go out to uh, Mitch is in East Windsor. Mitch, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Gordon, how's it going? I'm good, Mitch. What's going on, man? That is crazy. I wouldn't even think he's in the top 15, Daniel Jones. He's had one good well, then year. Well, you shouldn't sign him. Right. You don't know what you're getting from him. He's okay. pretty exciting. I mean... From no, but if, if you don't think he's in the top 15, then why? I mean, you, you have to find somebody who's at least better than an average quarterback. And if, you, if, you're, if you're saying he's not in the top 15, then you're saying he's, not an, he's a below average quarterback. 
would you say they'd be smart to draft a quarterback somewhere in the mid-rounds? I mean, they had to get him weapons. Maybe. I'm, I'm leaning towards the guy. I'm not you know, it's always about the player. It's not about the position. But, yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be – it never, it never hurts. The upside of, of, ha- of, of nailing the quarterback kind of tells you that, yeah, you should probably always be drafting a quarterback in the middle rounds. I'm thinking DTR or Hernan Hooker. What do you think? And thanks for taking my call. All right, Mitch. Yeah, I haven't really started looking. I've start, just started looking at, at draft stuff now because it's getting closer, and uh, it's I have a little PTSD from as much stuff as I've done when the Giants and Jets were in the top five every single year. So I haven't, I haven't really. My team doesn't have a first round pick. Uh, you know, the Jets are at what thirteen. The Giants aren't until the late in the first round. So I've not really started looking at that yet. Um, but um, we will. Uh, but, uh, look, if, if you think that Daniel Jones is not a top 15 quarterback, you shouldn't sign him to any price. You should walk away. But the Giants clearly think that he's, he's better than that. And they're kind of hoping that, um, that um, he's going to progress even further if they can surround him. That's another thing. Like, if you end up spending whatever you have to do to bring back Jones and you do whatever you have to, bring, to do to bring back Saquon, that really puts you on a lot of pressure to go out and do something big elsewhere. You've got to go find a big-time receiver or a big-time tight end. You gotta, we all said, okay, this is great because Jones is being able to do this with very little talent. All you've done by spending all that money on those two guys is just stay the same. So that's another part of this that's going to play out over the course uh, of the offseason. Tony is in Brooklyn. Tony is next up on the Gordon Dealer Show. Hey, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, Tony. What's going on, man? All right. Well, uh, I've heard you talk before, and the first thing I want to say is you keep on saying Daniel Jones had one good year. That, that's just not true. His rookie year was fantastic. Yeah, so he, turned the, he was good a turnover years. machine that first year, though, Tony. Yeah, but he also was producing touchdowns, running well, for, for I mean, yardage, he threw 24 scoring. touchdowns, but he was a turnover machine. You can't win games with the quarterback turning the ball over. As, it didn't I understand. And, and, and most times, don't we say that a quarterback's value is when he elevates the people around him? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, last year, didn't Daniel Jones make some of these receivers towards the end of the season? Absolutely. Towards the end of the season, excuse me. Towards the end of the season, you had announcers on your network saying, oh, he's making this guy look like a number one receiver. Was that because of Daniel Jones' poor playing, or was that because this guy's a number one receiver? No, it was because of Daniel Jones. Oh, look, and maybe it is because the, the, the player is a, an undervalued talent, but no, most of the credit went to Daniel Jones, no question. Exactly. And now if we go based on the fair market value, and go, let's just go ahead and, and franchise him this year, they already gambled saying, let's see you do something this year. They lost that bet. The Giants lost that bet. They gambled and they lost. They need to pay up because the fair market value is going to be about $39 million. What yeah, are we really saving by doing one year? Well, look, I, I don't want to do the one year, but I just don't think the one year is the worst thing in the world is what I say. I prefer to sign him, it, it, and I it, think that $39, $40 million, that's about the going rate for a starting quarterback in his range. Um, so I don't have any problem with that, but I'm just saying, like so, people are so making it out if you issue, use the franchise tag on him, it's the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Well, my issue is that you just said, if they go ahead and spend money on Barkley and and Danny, then they you know they need to make a big splash of free Don't they have to do that anyway? We yeah, know this. Well, this yeah, is why they're yeah, but this is why they're expect, under the cap. This is why used, we took this year. But Tony, you would have then taken this big cap space that you have. And all you have done is remain the same. 
But that's not true because we're able to sign these both guys and still have a lot of money left on no, the you cap. Really want, you, if you use the franchise tag on on Jones and then you sign Barkley to say a three year deal, you're not going to have that much money. You're going to have like I think it's about seven million, six million dollars to go out and spend, and you have to still sign your your free uh, your uh, your draft class. Which what do they have? Ten picks this year or something like that? I believe so, but but. At the end of the day, I mean, we have deferred numbers, and I didn't call you to discuss cap numbers, but the Giants have a lot more than what you're, at least maybe than what you're alluding to or what you know of, especially once they release Galladay. That's going to free up another $14 million. So, like I said, I didn't call about that. I called about Danny. Okay. I feel like you're underselling so, so him a little Tony, bit. Let me get he only straight. had one good year. If I give you the magic wand to do whatever you want. What do you want, Dan? You want Daniel Jones to sign to a, a five-year contract for two hundred million, roughly, somewhere around that. Uh, um, I, I think that that would be fair. My, if I had the magic wand, I give him five years with that fifth year being an option, four years guaranteed at thirty-nine five a year over the five years. That's what I would give. So him. you're you're but, fully on board with Daniel Jones. You believe Daniel Jones will get you to a Super Bowl championship. I believe Daniel Jones has the capability to get us to a Super Bowl championship. Well, look. That's my opinion, of course. You know, that's all it is. But based on what I've seen, I believe he has the leadership skills and the the actual physical skill set to do what's needed, especially in today's NFL where, yes, I do know the quarterback is always the pinpoint most important part of the team. But in today's NFL, they're really spreading it out so much with these offenses that the quarterback at times doesn't have to be spectacular every game in and out. Well, I don't know, Tony. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, you do have to have top-level quarterback play. Uh, that, that, that is a key of it. And, and it becomes more difficult uh, to fill out the other positions when your quarterback is making uh, as much money as these guys are making. So, I mean, take a look at the Chiefs, right? Like one of the reasons they couldn't bring back Tyree Kill uh, because of the contract demands he was going to make, is they're, they're paying so much for Patrick Mahomes. Now, they don't regret paying that for Patrick Mahomes, but when you're paying the quarterback that much more money, it does make it more difficult to fill out the... It's a balancing act. That's all I was alluding to. I'll say one thing. Daniel, you know how like when quarterbacks have a good year, they reward their offensive linemen? Daniel Jones should do that to the Minnesota Vikings defense. He should buy them like scooters or Rolexes or new cars or something. I, I just feel like if it had not been for those performances against, especially the one in the playoffs, I don't know that necessarily the, uh, the, the love would still be flowing the same way. I don't think so. Maybe hot air balloon. I don't know. So, you know, you got to do something big for them. They were, it can't just be like a, a basket of fruit. It has to be something more than that when you're going to cash in at $40 million a year. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. More of your phone calls. Plus, we'll get into the Jets. They got their own quarterback issues, in case you haven't heard. We'll do that next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's get into the Jets a bit. We've talked to some Giants. We'll continue to take your phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, but I think one of uh, maybe my favorite part of my vacation was that uh, I was it was almost like I was on my own darkness retreat from the uh, the Aaron Rodgers store. I didn't have to worry. But uh, much like uh, Puxatawney Phil, he has emerged. Uh, and uh, who knows? Maybe a, at least with Puxatawney Phil, a decision comes right away. Did he see his shadow? Did he not see his shadow? 
with uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's still going to take some more time. But he says it's going to come soon. And then, of course, you have the whole Derek Carr situation. Jets came away uh, very impressed when they met with – not so impressed that they signed him right away, but still very, very impressed. Very impressed. Here's the things that jump out to me about the latest round uh, and round we go here with the Jets and the quarterback situation. A, I'm kind of surprised there is really no market for either guy but especially for, for Aaron Rodgers, like you would think if Derek Carr is available, if a quarterback hits free agency and he's out there and he's a, you know, a, a kind of a middle of the road quarterback, maybe you envision him being closer to top 10 than, than uh, 15. But you would think that there would be, I thought that the whole thing about him being a free agent right away was going to give him this jump to find a new team. Free agency's right around the corner. And he still hasn't found a team. Now, I guess it doesn't take long, but it, all of a sudden he falls in love with one team that offers him money. But it doesn't seem like teams are lining up to get him. And there's still plenty of teams that need a quarterback. But then when he comes to Aaron Rodgers, what is the market? Is there a market? Because we went into this and we thought, all right, Aaron Rodgers, if he becomes available, what teams would be interested in him? And it felt like, okay, well, maybe the Packers want to bring him at, back. From all the reported, now maybe the reporting is all wrong, but according to the reports, they're kind of done with them. They're ready to move on. Okay, so cross them off the list. Then you thought, all right, it's between the Raiders and the Jets. Jets still seem like they're interested, but Peter King reported that the Raiders, they're looking to, to go the rookie quarterback route, might be looking to move up in the draft from where they are. So they're kind of out on Rodgers. It doesn't really seem like Carolina is all that, although there has been some reporting that they might be might be interested to, to go get him. But it doesn't really feel like there's a whole bunch of teams that are lining up for Aaron Rodgers. So it kind of seems like it's the Jets or bust. And if there is no market, if there are not teams leaping over each other, which it clearly does not seem like there is, to land Aaron Rodgers, maybe the Jets don't really have to give up all that much to get Aaron Rodgers. Like Adam Schefter said, I think it was this week, that it seems like it's the Jets or back to Green Bay. And the thing that jumps out to me about that is, like, if everything is lining up for the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers, it almost makes me feel like it's less likely that they'll do it. Because, and not from their end, but from his. He loves seeming like he's this unpredictable guy. And is he really going to follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre when he's the one that has the power? He does, I'll say this. He does not seem like a guy who is super pumped up about going to any team right now. And when it only seems like it's the Jets that are going full bore after him or are not making a decision until they know what his situation is, he's not exactly acting like a guy who's super motivated to to go there. Now, maybe it's because he is going to retire. I I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's going to be because he wants to go back to Green Bay. I'm not sure, but... If you wanted to continue your career and you viewed one team as being a quarterback away, why would you delay, delay, delay? Wouldn't you? You'd take some time. You'd figure it out. But it's pretty clear the Jets are interested in him. And you would think if he were interested in the Jets, that would kind of be known by now. And, and there would be some, some smoke, if not some fire. You know, Favre retired and then unretired because he, he wanted to go to Minnesota and he went one year for the Jets and, and figured his way around that. 
all this time has been focused on, well, do the Jets want Rodgers? Do they not want Rodgers? Do you go down that road? I think the question really is, does Rodgers want them? Because nothing that he has done so far has made it seem like he does. And you would think it's a pretty clear-cut situation, right? They def- desperately need a quarterback. Seems like they have some other pieces in place. Seems like they're more talented than the situation if he wants to leave Green Bay. But it doesn't really seem like he's all that uh, all that jazzed. If, if the, I'll say this. If he is, boy, he's hiding it really well. He is hiding it super well. So I think the, the, the decision for the Jets doesn't really dis, de, hang on what they want to do. I think it kind of hangs on what he wants to do. And if you're the Jets, if I were a Jet fan, I would think it, it really kind of depend on where I think I'm at. Do I think that I'm at the point where I just need to find somebody who can play quarterback at a, a, a competent level, right? Last year, that was kind of hard to find between the injuries to Mike White and the, the Zach Wilson struggles and everything else. Do I go into the offseason and say, I just need to find somebody who can play the, the, the position competently, who's durable, who can sometimes be really good, but at least won't wreck my chances? Because if that's the case, there's no reason why they don't just go out and sign Derek Carr right now. It's clear that they have higher aspirations than that. The owner has come out and said that they, you know, they're, they're basically a quarterback away. He doesn't. He wants. To, he'll be willing to spend big for a quarterback. And I think that if you're if you're looking at the Aaron Rodgers thing, you're not just saying, "Hey, I want to go out and stabilize the position." I think what you're saying is we're a, a quarterback away from making a, not just a playoff run, but a, a deep playoff run. But again, I think that that kind of comes down to, at this point, you'd have to say it comes down to what Rodgers wants to do and whether or not he wants to go to the Jets. It doesn't seem, it almost feels like to me that he's using these stall tactics in some way to, to force the Packers to let him go wherever he wants. And it doesn't really seem like that the Jets are the place that he really wants to go. Maybe it's an NFC team that they might not be willing to trade him to. I don't know. But there's been nothing that he's done so far that would make me say, boy, he really wants the Jets. Nothing. Uh, and look, if there is no market for him, and it doesn't really seem like run down the teams, who's the team that is 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 running and, and trying to add uh, Aaron Rodgers? Because a, you'd have to say they have to have a bunch of cap space available, and you have to be a pretty good team right now. Like the Jets are kind of check the boxes of the only teams that would really make sense if the Raiders are truly out, and you know Raiders are kind of in that same situation. I mean, they're not that much worse than the Jets were this year. And, and they actually, they also benched their quarterback. So it doesn't seem like when we first got into this with the Rodgers stuff, it seemed like, oh, it's going to cost you a first round pick here. It's going to cost you a second or a third round pick. It's going to cost you a bunch of players. I don't know. It certainly doesn't seem like it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get Aaron Rodgers. And it seems like with the reporting out of Green Bay, they would be willing, <laughs> uh, they, they would be willing to take pennies on the dollar just to finally be, to be rid of him. Um, but again, I think it really comes down to what does he want to do and does he have, does he have an idea? I, I think he probably has an idea, but when is he ready to unveil the idea? It does kind of feel like it's going to go down the road of Brett Favre and not necessarily with the Jets, but the idea of he's going to delay this, delay this, delay this to force the hand of the Packers to let him go wherever he wants to go. And the Packers should do that. If, it mean, if they truly are done with him, and they want to just turn the page and turn things over to Jordan Love and move on with their lives, 
they really should not be all that concerned about trading him to an NFC team. Let him, if you've made up your mind that it's over for good, then let him move on and go wherever he wants to go and be, be, have him out of your life, and you can move on with your life and, and, and deal with the quarterback situation how you see fit rather than having this guy kind of holding it over your head that he has this decision to make, and he's got the hammer. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Go out to uh, Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hi, Gordon. You know, I like what a previous caller said. We don't know how the Knicks would be now with Donovan Mitchell. You don't know whether Brunson would be performing the same way, whether they would have been able to get uh, uh, the kid from uh, Portland. You don't know whether uh, Randall would be playing the same way. So everything is a delicate balance, you know. Everything, as it seems to me right now, uh, the management did great. They picked the right players, and they're all performing the right way. So I, I can't complain. Gordon, let me ask you this. Julius Randle, Aaron Judge, Daniel Jones. Who do you had the biggest surprise season? Daniel Jones, Julius Aaron Randall, Judge. Aaron Judge. I, I think and Julius Randle. Who's been the biggest surprise this year? I guess it would probably be Randle. I, I guess okay. it would probably be Randle. Okay. Okay. Well, who fair. do you think? Well, I don't know. I think, I, listen, Judge hitting 63 homers, 62 homers, whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, him being healthy. I mean, there you got to think of two things. He played the whole season healthy, and he performed like that. So that was, that was pretty incredible. Uh, because certainly the Yankees didn't think he would do that, and that's why they didn't give him the offer that he wanted. But anyway, you know, I've never uh, everyone that bashes Julius Randle, they got to realize this guy is a different kind of ball player. He is the most unorthodox, ugly-looking basketball player. His moves, he looks like he's out of control. A lot of times he over-dribbles his head down. He gets stripped. He looks out of control. But I really don't think he – and really the bottom line is the guy gets the job done. You know. Now, I can say a little bit about that for Brunson. I've never seen two more – Unorthodox, unorthodox, herky-jerky type of ball players, you know? I mean, Brunson is smooth, but he's not smooth in a basketball sense. He's, like, very canny and very wiry, and he knows how to get his shot off, but it doesn't look basketball athletic. Like, the only old-time ball player that, I, that he reminds me of would be Earl Monroe. Not as flashy as Monroe. But Monroe never got off the ground more than six inches. You know, he never, never out-athleticed anybody. He just knew how to get the shot off at the right time, at the right separation point. Of course, back then they didn't call it separation. But he knew how to do that. Randall's a different story. Randall always looks unorthodox. He looks out of control. But I don't think you can bash the guy because the bottom line is he's putting up numbers we haven't seen since Carmelo, and he rebounds better than Carmelo. I mean, this guy, you know, to me, he's otherworldly so far this year. This is a, he's got to finish in the top five in uh, MVP. I don't, you know, I mean, he is that valuable to this team. They wouldn't be where they are without him. Although Brunson will get votes. So obviously they probably won't get top five because they'll split the votes. But these guys, I've never seen a one-two punch as unorthodox as these guys are. Totally unexpected, too. When do you ever remember a Nick team or any, uh, any team in the New York sports area, four major sports teams, 
with two guys performing at such unexpected levels. I mean, it's really remarkable how they're playing. Yeah. These, I know, Gordon. So, I mean, it's it's been very interesting. I didn't think anything could top what the Yankees were doing in the beginning of the year. I didn't think anything could top what the New York Giants were when they were six and one. But I mean, to me, this Nick team, this has been an un- unbelievable run they've had since December. I think they have the second or third best record in basketball. Well, so, since they I mean, went to the the nine man, I think they're twenty eight and fourteen. I think that's the. And they haven't lost with the kid from Portland since he's been back since here, right? Yeah, no, they're five and zero with him, a six and zero. Yeah. Uh, wow. No, I think they're I think they're seven and zero now. I don't know. They have no. They I mean, have this kid fits in. I've never seen a kid come to a team. Plays 20, 25 minutes a game, perfect, and quickly has stepped up his game. So you got to say that the Knicks are really firing on all. And for three quarters, of it, well, two thir- one, thir- one half of the year, all we heard about was why didn't we get Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. You can't win without a superstar. You got right now. I don't even know if I would trade Brunson for Donovan Mitchell. I really don't. Even up, I really do not know if I would make that trade. I really am so happy with the way the Knicks are playing now. Leave Rand, uh, leave uh, uh, Barrett in the starting lineup. Don't change a thing. You got a solid nine-man rotation, and if Toby's okay with coming in for about twelve, fourteen minutes, his contributions don't go unnoticed. They're playing great. Gordon, always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for the phone call. Yeah. Well, Obi, it doesn't matter if he's okay with it or not. He's not getting. Uh, he's not getting much more time. But look, I mean, the results are the results. Uh, and and again, at the time, I, I went back and forth with it. I, I kind of wanted them to make the deal because. When are you going to get a chance who seems to line up better um, in terms of a player who's from the area who wants to come here? So I'm kind of willing to pay uh, a little bit extra to get him. But I understand the the, uh, the move at the time, not doing it. And, yeah, when you get off to the kind of start that the Knicks got off to, that you get off to this type of year that Donovan Mitchell's had, there's going to be nothing but, oh, see, you should have done this, you should have done but. You can't just go back now and say if you just would have put him on this team that everything would have been as good as it is right now and add him and it's going to be better than that. And if we're all in agreement that the Knicks, if they're the five seed and they play Cleveland and they have a chance to win that series, well, Cleveland has Donovan Mitchell. So then as good of a player as he is, you've been able to do this and you still have all the assets that you have to go out and and make the big move that whenever you do that – uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that at this point, with the way the season has played out, I'm not sitting there on my couch anymore and saying, oh, they should have got Donovan Mitchell. They should have got Donovan Mitchell. I'm enjoying what this team has done. And you could never know, especially with a team that seems like they all like each other and they're all, you know, the camaraderie is great. And everybody's kind of pointed that out here in the last couple of days. I don't think that you can just pluck one guy. It's not, uh, it's not the, the, the game that you play on your PlayStation where you can just force the trade to happen and it works out the same way and it's all good. There would be downsides to it as well. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Uh, in terms of the, the, the award this year, it's almost certainly going to be Jokic again. If it's not, at least according to the betting markets, it's either going to be Giannis or Embiid. Uh, and that's basic. Anybody else is basically a long shot. Uh, Luca or Tatum or, or anybody else. <laughs> Certainly uh, John Morant. Um, yeah, those, those are all long shots now. Uh, but look, he has done a masterful job of turning it. And really, has there ever been a guy who has been more Jekyll and Hyde in a, in a, 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 a New York athlete 
than what Randall has done. The first year, Nick fans were willing to drive him to the airport to get him out of town. The second year turns everything around, is uh, the most improved player, second team All-NBA, fantastic. Knicks go to the playoffs. Of course, it did not end the way anybody wanted. Um, completely got exposed in that series uh, against the, the Hawks. It was a, a nightmare. But still, great second season. Then you go into year three. You got the whole thumbs down thing. This after the contract extension, oh, the, the contract extension and all that. People, oh my goodness, there's, you got to get this guy out of here. What are they doing? And then back to this year. Where, where things are, are back to where they were. To, I don't know that there's ever been a guy who's been so helter-skelter. Now, there's been guys that have turned it around, right? We talked about Edwin Diaz during the baseball season. Or, you know, there's been guys that have turned it around after a rocky start. And it shows you you can always, uh, for all the, the yelling and screaming we do as sports fans here in New York and the, the amount of criticism that, that athletes deal with, it's all based on performance. People boo because they want to cheer. But I don't know that there's ever been a guy that's been so up and down, which if they're going <laughs> to, after this year, that doesn't bode well for next year. So, but um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get any MVP votes this year. That's a, that's a pretty high, tall order, but it doesn't matter. It's almost like when people were getting all worked up about Brunson not going to the All-Star game. Uh, as a fan, you'd like to see him get recognized. But if you watch the games, you know that guy's, he's played like an All-Star. But I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily need him to go to the All-Star game to, to, to get some, some recognition. It, it would be nice for him. But as a fan, I, I'd almost prefer that he didn't go to the All-Star. Get rest up because we got, what, 20 games to go when you come back. And there are an important 20 games. And uh, everything has worked out just fine without him uh, going to the All-Star game. So uh, let's just hope that the Knicks can keep this rolling. And again, as I said earlier... If they, you think that it, the Nick fans are obnoxious now, they beat Boston again. Oh my, it's going to be levels you've never seen. You're already seeing it at other arenas. The amount of Nick fans last night down in Miami, well, it's Miami, but the amount of Nick fans down there, Randall hit that shot. You thought it was the garden. It was, a, there were a lot of Nick fans in the building last night and uh, they, they are, they are emerging from their slump. They are emerging from their hibernation and they are buying in uh, to this uh, Knicks team. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>